Hello, and welcome to the Brubacher and Beyond podcast, where we are shaping the world we live in so more people can find construction industry uncommonly refreshing. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is maybe the dog days of summer. Kids are going back to school. We're getting ready for September. It's crazy to think that the summer is almost over and fall is coming, but with different seasons come different uh, topics, opportunities, and the way of life keeps on dynamically changing. And this is uh, an awesome podcast that we are recording today. We have some guests from external from Brubacher, and we have some internal guests from Brubacher. Um, this will be for suicide prevention. So today with me, uh, let's start with the in-house guests that we have. I would like to give recognition to Macy, who behind the scenes has been helping me with the podcast. So if you think I can do this by myself, I can't. So Macy took the initiative. Well, I don't know, Macy, was it initiative or I asked you? I asked you to help me. Voluntold. Voluntold. There you go. Okay, there you go. Voluntold. Um, so would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Macy Landis. I am the construction administrative assistant. Um, I do a whole variety of things around the office. I help with the project management team. I help Chris with the podcast. Um, kind of the little details here and there getting things situated the glue that helps stick everything together so if you need something you. <laughs> uh macy is the one assisting me on the podcasts and uh while i'm gonna say this please if you like it don't like it leave uh, a thumbs up a thumbs down a remark follow us on all the socials or also share us if you share it on social that helps us out too. Next, I have Pete with me. So Pete, would you like to explain yourself or I'm going to put it in a different way. Explain myself. Who, who is Pete and what do you do? Okay. I am Pete Denise. Uh, no one ever knows how to say my last name. So there you go, Denise. Uh, I am your resident English person um, within the company. So I've been in Brubacher for five years. I started out as an assistant estimator with no background. I did not know what a swell was. I didn't know what an inlet was. I came with nothing. I was actually an elementary school teacher by trade. And I was given the opportunity. I was given grace and guidance. And it meant that I was able to fulfill my duties and also learn a lot of uh, from the different types of work that we do. So I did that for four years. And last year I decided to make the crazy jump to HR, again with no background, um, just because I love helping people out. So my job really is, I would say, is the customer service, it's forward facing, it is supporting people through leaves, through benefits, through uh, tough times. I deal with the phone calls, the call offs, the kind of my fingers kind of in every little pie within the company. And I do enjoy it. I love being a support and a help. And um, yeah, that does fill my cup. And uh, yeah, enjoying it. I'm still here. So that's a good sign. So for anybody internally inside Brubacher, um, Stretch and Flex, the cards that go out, that's Pete. Yes, that was voluntold again. That was voluntold, that, yeah. but that, that is Pete. So if you need to put a face with the, 
the, the with the voice, <laughs> then there you go. That's me. So, um, all right. Next, I always say Pastor Larry, but Chaplain Larry. Correct. Please introduce yourself. Okay. I'm Chaplain Larry. I began uh, serving here at Brubacher's uh, January the 1st of this year. Uh, I've been invited to come on and just be a presence within the office here and get out on job sites uh, occasionally. Uh, just be available for anyone to talk to, uh, pray with, have conversations with, find resources for. Um, yeah, just just here to be a resource uh, to help people through life because sometimes life can get pretty pretty uh, pretty tough. Um, yeah. So internally inside Brubacher and externally, so we have many outlets if. A team member needs help, resources, daily life stuff. You have two different avenues to go to at Brubacher. And actually, Chaplain Larry is not an employee of Brubacher, right? But you, um, the Brubacher family, is the one who supports you. Correct. And so nothing that is talked to about with Chaplain Larry, it doesn't go through. It's all confidential. Correct. Um, and you'll see Chaplain Larry out with uh, the management group for safety huddles. I try to let him in on all the barbecues that we're doing on site. Thank you. So he gets a good lunch. <laughs> but that is Chaplain Larry. So we talked a little bit about this before, but why are you passionate about the topic that we're talking about today? Well, I served as a pastor for 30 years. And so throughout those 30 years, I've experienced uh, several times persons coming to me uh, with mental health struggles uh, and even persons talking about ending their life. And so a first encounter I had, it was like a deer in the headlights, like, what do you do? How do I help this person? Uh, because in reality, their life may depend upon what I do. How I respond to that? Yeah, uh, and okay. so because of because of those situations, I began uh, to try to educate myself about mental illness. I attended a mental health first aid at Phil Haven, and then I uh, attended the Mental Health America workshop for faith leaders. Uh, that's where I picked up these cards that uh, Lancaster County Suicide Prevention Coalition card which has a lot of helpful tips on, and all these are in all of our restrooms, which was a recommendation that I heard at the workshop. You go back to your place of business and put these in the restroom because in a restroom, people go in there and they're all by themselves and they were more apt to pick it up mm -hmm. because no one will see them picking up the card and saying, hmm, why is that person picking that up? So that's why these are all in the restroom. So okay. And if you would like one of these cards, because it has tips on there, how to help someone in crises, uh, some of the risk factors and the warning signs, I have these available that if anyone wants them, they can either pick one up in the restroom or come and see me. I have a stack of them in my office. And so our external guest I found on a card. And so I emailed her and we had a lovely conversation to kind of review this, but uh, Liz Grubb 
Am I saying your last name correctly? Yes, you are. Uh, would you Would you like to introduce yourself and the organization you're with and what you do, please? Absolutely. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm really excited about it. Um, like you said, my name is Liz. I am the education coordinator here at Mental Health America of Lancaster. So interestingly, I just started here in the summer. Uh, so Chaplain Larry, when you received that card, I was not on staff at that point, but I'm so grateful that it, it worked out the way that it did, that we were able to get connected. So my job here at MHA um, of Lancaster is to do the education messaging. So how are we getting out into schools? How are we getting to senior centers? How are we getting out into the community to meet the needs there? Um, and not only raise awareness, but to equip with meaningful strategies for how we can learn more about mental health and mental wellness. Um, so my background is uh, a little bit of training and development. I spent most of my professional career in the higher education field, and so I was um, kind of doing different work between campus safety, uh, Title IX, student affairs and residence life, and um, I ran a couple grants that had to do with prevention programming for not necessarily suicide prevention, but it still fell within mental health and wellness. So I've been interacting with people of all ages, um, students, adults, um, kids, for a little while now and doing training um, on mental health wellness. And I'm really passionate about making sure that the things that we're talking about are meaningful, intentional, um, and practical. I want everyone to feel like not only do they know something new after um, hearing or learning about mental health wellness, but they feel like they can actually go out and do something for that, whether that's for themselves and their self-care uh, or whether that's for a friend who might need it. So and then me personally, I love tacos. I love bonfires. I like going on walks with my husband. And I have two kiddos um, who I love dearly. They came home through adoption. And so we are navigating special needs and disability parenting. Um, and I have one crazy black cat. <laughs> nice. Little side note here. My background or my my one of my ancestors, my great-grandfather came over from Poland uh, Liz, yes. one of your children is from Poland. Yes, she is. And yeah. <laughs> Liz is taking the adventure to Poland. I'm too scared to, but one too. But after you gotta talking go, to Chris, Liz, you I, gotta I, go. I gotta go. I gotta go to <laughs> Poland. Gotta go. Warsaw so, is so worth it. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, I, I come at this from a different angle. I don't, not that I know of. I don't know anybody in the construction industry that's been in a crisis. Um, none of my close friends have been in a crisis. So for me, listening to other people in the industry just brought awareness to me. And the biggest thing that I heard that the construction industry is four times greater at risk to suicide than any other industry. I just found that just an alarming factor, but when you think about it, the stresses that we have in the construction industry could cause that, right? We have deadlines, there's constant pressure of profitability, people call out, yeah, how are you gonna judge your schedule, the weather environment that you can't control because when you think it's gonna be sunny, sometimes it's rainy and vice versa. So that is an alarming factor. And then the next step is, you know, what can we do for our immediate team members to prevent this? How can we help? And the biggest thing talking to Liz, and hopefully we're going to go deeper in this, but um, 
she talked about the upstream prevention. It hit me like a ton of bricks, Liz, when you said this, because this is the same thing that I do as business development. We go and prospect and look for customers or industries or projects years ahead before we actually get the project. So I'm familiar with what you said, just a different way that I use it. So we'll prospect, we'll cast some seeds. That's a year or two out there. And then it takes some time for that to start to grow and nurture. Then there's negotiations or bidding of a project. And then there's the award of the project. And then we do the project. So that's our kind of stream of influence. But if you can explain your stream on the prevention side, that would be helpful, I think, to everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, this kind of concept or story is not unique to the industry. I don't think it's unique to prevention either, but the way like there's actually a story. So if you'll allow me, I will like kind of share the parable. Um, and it's it's touching, I think. It's it's in, I guess poignant is a better way to say it. All right. So if you imagine you're walking along a river and you hear a cry for help that someone is drowning. So you're, you know, startled by this. You want to do whatever you can to save them. And so you dive into the water and save that person. And you're using all your strength. You're using all your tools like CPR or the whole thing. Your adrenaline's racing. You realize that you saved the person and like you're just getting back to the bank of the river and you're like, okay, I got this person. I saved this person. And then you hear another cry and there's another person who's in the water and that they need life-saving care. So you dive back in, you're doing this a couple more times. You realize there are so many people who are drowning in the river and they're just coming one after another. So you find other people on the riverbank to help. They're doing everything they can. You're trying to teach people how to tread water to try and maybe uh, equip them with some strategies to save themselves. It helps a little bit, but you're still seeing that there's so many people who are coming down. So finally, you stand up and you start running upstream. And another rescuer looks at you and is like, where are you going? Like, there's so many people who are drowning. There's so many people who need help. And you say, I'm going upstream to find out why people are falling in the river. So I think what's really important when we're thinking about this specific story or parable when it comes to mental health education, and even if we go even deeper to say suicide prevention, a lot of what uh, we're talking about or what our society is talking about is already after the person is in the river. They're already needing so much help. And that is important. We should be diving into the river to help them. Absolutely. We need to be asking them questions and offering the right kind of interventions and the right resources. We also need to do our due diligence to go upriver and see why people are falling in. And a lot of that comes to having this like multifaceted approach of like, why are we falling into the river to begin with? What do we need to be thinking about with our own mental health and wellness? What dimensions are there as we're looking at as, as ourselves holistically? Um, and how can we help those around us in this context? How can we help our coworkers and our teammates? How can we help our organization um, be aware of what's going on prior to the point where we get to the need for intervention? So yeah, we can kind of go in at any point of the stream that you want, but that's kind of the parable. Well, let's do this first. If there's the bottom of the stream and you need help and there you know you have a co-worker what are the signs that you should be looking for that a co-worker might be 
displaying, but not saying. Yeah, absolutely. So some of them are a little bit more glaring and obvious. And maybe Chaplain Larry has heard some of these if he's like met and talked with people. But um, if they're actually expressing a lack of self-worth, if they're describing or saying things like, I don't want to be here, or life would be better without me, um, some of those kind of phrases that we've maybe heard more often, um, those are definitely a sign um, that we should be following up on. A little red flag should go up. Um if there are more statements of kind of general hopelessness and despair or feeling like they're a burden to other people or talking about feeling trapped, that might be like the next layer. It might be a little bit more veiled, but they're still expressing these thoughts um, and it's to the point where they're verbalizing it. So we want to make sure we're listening to what people are saying. And often um, some of the other signs, if you're thinking about Maybe they're withdrawing from social settings more or isolating themselves. Maybe they have increased anger or irritability, or they just look or seem or expressing that they're feeling sad most of the time, um, or they have dramatic mood swings. I think some of those things are also important signs to pick up on, but you won't know it if you're not in relationship with your coworkers because you need to know what their baseline is. So it's great if someone's super angry on, you know, a random Wednesday, but if you're like, hey, you're not normally this angry, like you don't go up the roller coaster that quickly, like what's going on? Or this has actually been the seventh day in a row that you've gone up on the top of the escalator there. Um, so like, what are we talking about? Um, a couple of things specific to the construction industry and construction workers, and Chris, you highlighted this a little bit at the beginning, but you can also look for warning signs like decreased productivity. Maybe there's increased conflict with other coworkers. Maybe there's a lot more near hits or near incidents and injuries, um, or they're not using some of the problem-solving abilities that they did before. There's just a massive decrease in that. Um, or maybe they are just late all the time, or they're calling off a lot. Um, and again, that goes back to that relationship piece of like, you kind of have to know you have to know them more than just a coworker who shows up at a job site. If they're always absent or they're always late and then you ask them, hey, like what's going on? And you realize their kid is constantly late to the bus. So there's so many reasons that that could be, but you kind of have to piece it all together like a puzzle. If you see a red flag, I would go back to even the concept of that bystander intervention. Like if you see something, say something. If you have the relationship with them, go ask them. And if they don't, uh, if you don't have that relationship, see if you can find someone who maybe does or who can go in and check on them. So Pete, let's uh, talk about this. I'm on a job site. One of my coworkers, I think there might be something. I really don't have a great relationship with that person. I contact you. What, what should I do at Brubacher? Well, there's a different, a few different ways to look at it. So we actually do invest a lot of time into supervisor training. And so um, we've had a lot of supervisors go through just leadership training. And, and the thing that we do focus on is actually our supervisors are not just there to do the work, they're there to connect with the people and to make sure that they are being the best version of themselves. So I would hope, first of all, that the supervisors would notice right? Because they're actually within the lives of these people day in and day out. They're having the conversations. I know a lot of supervisors that even outside of work have got relationships with a lot of their crews. And so for me, the first part of it is like Liz said, is that relationship aspect. 
if you have that relationship. But then there's also connections that we have as benefits and, and then the resources that we have that I try and connect with people. So I EAP, for example, our employee assistance program has a lot of counseling available. Now, the issue is, is especially within our workforce, is it could be seen as something that I don't need, right? So encouraging people to utilize the stuff that we have available to them at no cost to them. That's the first thing that Brewbarker does is take that cost upon themselves so that we remove those barriers, people being able to use those resources. So I try and connect people to one of three avenues. One is our EAP, which is available. That has five free counseling sessions. There's Chaplain Larry, who's a great conversationalist. Again, he is completely confidential. Um, but I think you start a conversation, and all of a sudden, you're like, why am I telling you this? And it keeps on going. You're like, oh, I didn't even realize that I even had that issue. But having that conversation kind of opens up something within you. The other thing is, actually, um, people don't know this uh, very often, but Tammy, our wellness coach, actually has some experience with mental health and support. And so we have her available on a Tuesday and Wednesdays within the office. And also, you can text or call her to be that link. So there is a lot of links that we have, but it, it takes that person to want to engage with that, to take that upon themselves to say. But again, we try and remove the barriers, but it does have to be that person's mm -hmm. choice. Um, but definitely start the conversation, connect them with me, say, hey, why don't you call out to Pete? I know that you're, you might be struggling. We have you know, resources available to all of our employees. So it makes me sad when we have all these things that we have available and people don't know how to utilize them. That's my goal. My goal is to link you to everything that we have, to empower you, to help you uh, be the best version of yourselves. Because at the end of the day, what does Brubacher always say? We want you to go home to your family. We want you to go home safe. We want you to enjoy your family, enjoy your work. And so being able to provide that help and support, that's what fills our cup. Can I chime in to say something, Pete? I love that you brought up um, the stigma that comes around mental health and suicide prevention. And I would say that's one thing that I'm really passionate about talking through when it comes to education. And so specifically to this industry and, and the work that you all do, this has historically been a male-dominated industry, right? Um, if you also take a look at the statistics, um, suicides that are happening in our nation are statistics happening between the 24 and 64 white males. Um, the next group down is black males. So just having that conversation to normalize this, to say like, you are not alone. Like there are things that are out there to help you. There are people who are not only noticing you, but care about you and want to be able to like resource you well. And just recognizing that this like macho, tough guy, like stoic nature that maybe comes alongside with a bad stereotype of what construction workers are like, let's just get rid of that. Like get rid of the stereotype, get rid of the, the stigma and just recognize that like, we're all trying to be the best that we can in the day and we're human. So we're not perfect. And so we have to be able to reach out for resources when we need it. Thanks for listening to the Brubacher podcast today. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to our podcast so you can listen to the new episodes each month. Share it with your friends in the industry and those who might like to learn more about the construction industry. Feel free to check out our website at www.brubacher.net.
I'm Keith Brubacher, president of Brubacher Excavating Incorporated, and we hope you found our discussion insightful, and we look forward to the next time together.